Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Lockdown Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and a review as well. That would be much appreciated. Uh, today we're joined by Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Dave, what's going on, buddy? Uh, you know what? Don't have the turkey sweats, which is good, but <laughs> other people are going to have worse sweats after uh, after hearing the news today. Yes, and first of all, I'm I probably should have said happy Thanksgiving to everybody in Canada celebrating right off the top, but I'll say it now, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, but yes, you're right. We got some big breaking news that just broke literally minutes before we came on to uh, to start recording this podcast. Well, the Leafs will not be getting Alex Petrangelo. Why? Because he is officially signed with the Vegas Golden Knights. Your raw thoughts on the signing. It is $8.8 million for seven years in Vegas. Dave, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are, uh, as soon as I heard Vegas was in on it, I knew the Leafs' chances were pretty much in doubt, just based on where the Leafs cap structure was and the contracts they have versus what Vegas's contracts are, which still possess a lot of problems, but that move they made for Paul Stas, uh, when they move Stastny to Winnipeg, I'm like, okay, they're, they're prepping for, for a Petro signing. And then the Tory Krug contract pretty much made that almost a guarantee at that point. Yeah, totally. I think that was, uh, the, the Stastny signing was probably the first, inkling that we got that Vegas were making a real serious run here. They were just trying to get money off the books. We'd heard rumors that they've been trying to get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury. They still could. And technically, this signing puts them over the cap. So they do need uh, some work that they have to do to get themselves back under the cap uh, to be cap compliant come the the uh, come the regular season. But, you know what? I, I think that this is something that they needed, right? Their their defense was a little bit shaky. Shaky. They had Shea Theodore, who's not really a number one. He's turned out to be quite the heck of a defenseman. But is he a number one? I don't know. You know, he's still young. He still has a chance to grow into that role. But now he's going to get a chance to grow into it alongside Alex Petrangelo. And that's going to be an elite, elite pairing. And he's going to fit right there in that in that, uh, in that that organization, on that team. And now I take a look at this, this defense. And it's pretty deep. You know, I think Nate Schmidt most likely going to end up being a guy who gets uh, gets traded out of Vegas to try and make themselves cap compliant. There was that rumor that was going around in the weekend that he almost did get dealt. I think it'll end up happening now that they do have Petrangelo solidified. But, you know, Shea Theodore, Petrangelo, Alec Martinez, Brady McNabb, you got yourself a solid top four now. Well, I mean, and this was, this was kind of my, my thought about Petrangelo. Whichever team signed him, you don't necessarily need to have a lot of you can have good defense behind but you don't need to worry about as worry about that as much just because of how much of a burden he takes off the other guys i mean he's just that good of a defenseman so as soon as you name petrangelo that's that starts off really well if they move Nate Schmidt, which i mean it sounds like that's the guy that's name's been out there uh, there's been some rumblings that maybe you know it's not coming to fruition the way they hope. He has a modified no trade clause, but I mean, yeah, I've always been impressed with Shea Theodore, Alec Martinez, very underrated when he was in, in LA. And when they when they added him, I said this is a guy they could probably bring back, 
Ray McNabb's, a, you know, he's a solid guy. He's, if he's not being asked to do too much. And another guy that doesn't get looked at too much is Zach Whitecloud. He had a decent showing for them in the postseason. He brings the elements they need. So when you have guys that are not making, you know, over that $6 million range, you can add a guy like Petrangelo. And this team doesn't have a lot of those guys other than, you know, Pacioretty and Mark Stone. There's only really two massive contracts that they have on their cap. So, obviously, Petrangelo was a big-time, I don't want to say he was a target for the Leafs, but he was somebody who they were talking to. And a lot of Leafs fans really wanted Petrangelo to sign back home, and he could be that that number one stud right-shot defenseman that this organization has been searching for for years and years and years. Now that you know what the price point was, $8.8 million times seven years, you know, are you okay with the Leafs not opting to do that? And we'll get into what exactly they've used this money now that they didn't give to Petrangelo to go and kind of round out the roster a little bit. But in hindsight, now are you kind of glad that the Leafs didn't kind of bend and, and go up to that, what's this going to be, about $61 million contract over the next seven seasons at 8.8 AAV? Like, I personally am glad that the Leafs didn't do that. What about you? I think the cap headache it would have caused definitely not worth it in terms of what they would have had to do to get that salary to fit. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I understand a lot of Leafs fans wanted a guy who can be a Norris caliber defenseman. Any team in the NHL would. But this is a guy who's 30 years old. That 8.8 is going to be there all throughout the seven years. We don't know where the salary cap is going you know, after this season. So that, that also plays into it. And, you know, Kyle Dubas has kind of made it known that he likes the current core. They have the young guys they have, he's bet on them. He's, you know, doubled down on them in his talks with the media. And I just did not see him being willing to make the moves to get rid of one of those core four guys to bring in a Petrangelo. Cause that's what it would have taken. Uh, I understand people were talking about, you know, moving Kerfoot and Janssen. That wasn't going to get it done, as we can tell now, with his uh, cap hits. So I'm I'm okay with the Leafs not doing it because there's other ways to get defensemen of that caliber. And it really does start with the draft. It starts with, you know, maybe a team looks to move a guy just because they can't make it work on their roster. And that's something, the trade avenue, I think, is another way the Leafs could do it. Or, you know, you just got to draft and develop a guy. Well, I think that they did a decent job actually trying to go out in free agency and kind of use the secondary market. And, you know, let's get into some of the guys that they did end up signing. Instead of electing to spend $8.8 million on one guy in Petrangelo, they sprinkled that all over their lineup a little bit, which is a method that I thought was was the preferred method for me was to kind of fill out the depth and balance of this team. And that's really what they did. So you talk about, you know, what defenseman did they go out and sign that was secondary to Petrangelo? And it's TJ Brody. Like, this is a really solid top four defenseman. He's, you know, a four-year, $5 million contract uh, per season, four years, $20 million in total. Like, you finally have yourself a bonafide pairing here with Morgan Riley and TJ Brody. And he's somebody, yeah, he's a left-shot defenseman, but he plays the right side. And he knows how to play with a really, really solid defenseman because he's played with Mark Giordano the last few years. And Morgan Riley and Giordano have kind of some similar tendencies to them. So he, he knows how to play, and he's going to be a really, really solid player for this team. And the fact that I think they still were able to unite Riley with a solid guy to to be a top pairing and not have to pay 
you know, Petrangelo, $8.8 million. That gave that team an extra nearly $4 million to build on the depth. And that's where you get the guys like Wayne Simmons, Jimmy Vesey, Zach Bogosian. You know, we'll, we'll go through all these guys individually. But when it comes to opting to not sign Alex Petrangelo, I think that it was the smart decision by Kyle Dubas and company because it allowed them to go out and kind of balance out this team, balance this lineup, and create some depth, which is something that, you know, if you look at the teams who are successful this year, and I've said this multiple times on the podcast, Tampa, extremely deep. Dallas, extremely deep. Vegas, really, really deep team, right? So all three of those teams who made runs in the playoffs are all teams with significant depth and balance, and that's something that the Leafs really, really lacked. Like, once Columbus shut down that top line, the rest, you know, the bottom six couldn't get it done. They just couldn't get it done. They couldn't add any type of secondary or supplementary scoring, and they couldn't also add any other type of elements to the, and, and the heaviness to go out there and impact the game that way either. So it was just something that Kyle Dubas felt like he needed to address, both depth, depth and toughness, and I felt like he did a really good job over the last week doing that for the Maple Leafs. I also look at it like this. Morgan Rowley's contract is up in two years after two more seasons. I would rather make him the focus of keeping around than getting Petrangelo and putting that in jeopardy as well. Because as you said, you can't just get Petrangelo and then have the depth behind him be almost non-existent. Yeah. You need to have a strong core on that blue line. I mean, that's been the biggest issue because you have Rowley, you have Muzzin. And then after that, I'm sorry, but, Cody CC was not did not work. Tyson Berry was not the player we expected him to be, and you know there's been debates on what was really the issue behind that. Justin Hall is decent, but you know when you ask him to do too much, it's just not there. And then Travis Dermott, the same thing. You know guys were put into situations they weren't ready for. Now when you get a TJ Brody, guys slide down in the lineup, and that that's really the big big benefit the Leafs get in going the route of getting a TJ Brody, like Kyle Dubas made it clear that was their priority because he costs $3.3 million less. He's not the same players, but I get that, but he's going to give you exactly what you need. And Kyle Dubas and the team felt like that was the better fit. And with that three point, you know, $3.8 million, you get a Wayne Simmons, you get, you know, you can bring back Jason Spezza, uh, you get a little more room to bring back Mikheyev and Dermot when those deals get done. I I would prefer the team to have options. And look, the Leafs can make trades to, you know, re rework their bottom six a bit more. I feel like that could yeah. use some tinkering. Definitely. I, I don't think that but this team is I, set. I, I, I don't think this is the team we're seeing that's going to end up going into free agency next year or going into the season next year. I think there's still maybe a, a, a trade or two or a signing or two that we're going to see uh, to, to still trickle in here. I, I don't think that the Leafs are, are done. I think they're they're done in terms of heavy hitting. I don't, I, I don't know if they're going to end up going the trade route to pick up you know a top four defenseman. I think TJ Brody is the guy who they expect to come in and be that but I could see them trying to work out a deal to bring in you know a third liner or a fourth liner to kind of help this team because really they, they they lost two third liners right like Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapitan and they replaced them with Wayne Simmons and you know we're not exactly sure what type of Wayne Simmons we're going to get they replaced him with Nick Robertson and 
we think Robertson's going to be a great player. He played not bad in the playoffs, but is he already as good as as Kasperi Kapitan or Andreas Janssen? We're not exactly sure of that yet. So I feel like there are a lot more question marks, and the depth and the bottom six may still need some tinkering and may still need some additions. But I do like the fact that they did go out and make make some guys who who are going to compete for those bottom six roles. You know, Wayne Simmons, one of them. Uh, they just signed Jimmy VC last night. You know, Travis Boyd. They made the trade for Joey Anderson when they shipped out um, Andreas Janssen. So I I think that they've they've done a lot of tweaking, but there's still some moves to go. And this Leafs team, you know, uh, I know Kyle Dubas has taken a lot of heat for the moves they've made. You know, he was the guy that brought in Zach Hyman when Florida was just giving him away for nothing. Like he, he <laughs> th- this team could find guys like that. You know, people think that he doesn't value certain elements, and I think that's totally wrong. I think that's a wrong. Uh, he's got a wrong label for that. I think he he does see the value in bringing in guys like that. It's just you don't want to overspend to bring that, and you can certainly find guys to fill those roles. There are teams right now that are still dealing with RFAs that they're going to have to move. You know, Kyle Dubas said he was going to try to take advantage of some teams that had to make some tough decisions. I think there's still some teams that have some tough decisions. And guess what? One of those is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're going to have to move guys. I don't see the least particularly making a deal with Tampa, but there could be something in along those lines where a team has to has to make room or they just can't afford what the guy wants and the Leafs will try to figure out with a you know with a trade to make to just you they're making small moves right now. They don't need to now make anything massive and I think that benefits the Leafs because they've got this core locked in. They got the big spending done with TJ Brody. That was their big need. They got add a little bit of toughness with Simmons and they can still add to that. That's I think the benefit the, the Leafs have right now is they can still add and not be too worried about spending too much to make those additions. I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out. My favorite, cookies and cream. It is fantastic. But they also got caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp. And that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself, my peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the peanut butter bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy, they're delicious, they're amazing. And right now, you can get a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. You just got to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for a chance at a free cooler and 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves by saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, honey, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. 
But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who could prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation on ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Get started is simple. Just go to GetRoma.com slash LockedOnNHL and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect to a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoma.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoma.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoma.com slash LockedOnNHL. Really quickly before we kind of tie a bow here on, it's funny, we were talking about TJ Brody and it kind of turned into an overall feeling about how the Leafs did in this in this uh, this free agency period. But in terms of TJ Brody, you know, what what do you, would you consider next season? Like what, could, what would you consider to be a success? Like what role would you like to see him in and then say, oh, yeah, that turned out to be a great signing. You know, kind of the anti or the opposite of what ended up happening with Tyson Berry. If he can, when I, I look back at TJ Brody when, you know, when he was with the Flames, that season where him and Jordana were one of the top pairings, you know, on, you know, in the West. Well, Giordano went on to win a Norris trophy, which hopefully he, he can help Riley maybe win a Norris this, this is a player who's good for between 35 to 40 points. If he can get into that 35 to 40 point range, so he's pro- he can prove to be a decent contributor offensively. And as long as he cuts down on the goals against with Riley, that's that's my only that's that's my only goal for him. Because people talk about where the goal is going to come from when they get get rid of Cap and and Yon says, well. Part of it's going to be coming from minusing the goals you allow, and that's going to be the big thing for Brody. He has to be that tough defenseman to play against. This is the, I'm going to call the um, Kyle Dubas's off-season tape tough to play against. Like that's we should make a song out of it. Well, it's what he said. It's what he said. He said we want to be tougher to play against. That that's quite literally what he said. His intentions were. For this offseason, and, and as we move along and look at some of the other guys he signed, Wayne Simmons, pretty tough guy, and signed at a reasonable contract. Just a one-year deal, $1.5 million. He could come in, play to the third or fourth line, kill some penalties, maybe play net front on power on, on PP2, and, and at a million five, like that's some good. That's a bargain right there, in my opinion. He's not the Wayne Simmons of old. I don't think he's going to score you 25 to 30 goals like he did back when he was playing in L.A. and in Philly, but I still think that he's a player who can score maybe 10 to 15 goals, and if he can also play on your your, your second power play and, and you know be a little tough, drop the mitts every now and then, and, and just be, you know, give you that little bit of toughness, uh, play hard and heavy, that's totally worth it. Zach Bogosian, same thing, a one-year, $1 million contract, and you know he finally made his way here after almost landing here on a contract before he ended up signing with Tampa. But that's another guy, depth on the blue line here with, with Bogosian, but he's somebody who can bring a little bit of toughness. We saw him you know, out there laying some big hits in the playoffs and was a big part of of uh, of that team making it all the way to the Stanley Cup final and actually winning a Stanley Cup. So I think Bogosian was a nice uh, pickup as well. But toughness, certainly, with Brody, Simmons, and Bogosian, those three big signings that they made, there was some more depth moves, which we'll get to. 
But those are the big three, right? I think those are the big three ones that they made throughout this this early free agency period. And toughness is certainly the main uh, MO early in the offseason. I also think you talk about Wayne Simmons. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him on the first power play unit just sticking right in front of the net. Like that was, you know, we saw Janssen do it. We saw Kadri do it. I think that'd be his perfect role for a power play. And look, he's a guy who has experience playing in a top six. So if the Leafs need to move him up, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be worried about that. I would be fine with that if they had to move him up, you know, to, to get a little bit of a spark, you know, and I think Ilya McKay, I think he comes back and he can play the penalty kill and he can play, you know, kind of the middle six, top, you know, second line, mm-hmm. you know, third line, like the, they have a lot more flexibility and we haven't even talked about Miko Lettinen at all. Like, this is a guy that is killing it in the KHL. I wouldn't be surprised that if he has a good camp, he gets the first power play. You know, you know, like this this Leafs team. Ooh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> You're not and giving Miko letting in the number one power play over Morgan Riley. Let's let's not get crazy here. You want to give him PP two, sure. But you're not giving him the first power play. Well, Tyson Berry got first power play over Riley when he came Right, here. but Tyson Berry had a pedigree. Miko Lettinen hasn't played a single game in the NHL. There's, there's a big difference here. He's putting up the numbers in the KHL, sure. But we've seen a lot of guys put up numbers in the KHL and not come over and, and have nearly the amount of success. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I, don't, I would be. Not a slam dunk. I would be I very think. surprised if we saw Riley get supplanted without an injury. Seeing letting in on the on the first power play to start the season, ah, man, that's a hot take. That is a spicy Cheeto hot take right there. Gotta have one once in a while. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, I, I, I mean, like the thing that I do like though about the, the signings that they've made, and and I talked about the importance of depth and toughness, and that seemed to be the main objective here of uh, of free agency period. Now, like, you take a look at this defense. You got Riley and Brody, and these are what we're projecting. They, I mean, Muzzin and Brody could very well also be a pairing, right? Like, everyone's saying Riley and Brody, but if you wanted a super shutdown pairing, I think Muzzin and Brody would be that, right? Like, that would be your super shutdown. Because Justin Hall, he can play with Muzzin as a shutdown guy, but I think we we saw this offseason, or this playoffs, that he got exposed and he's not really a top four player. I never thought he was, and he was just playing there because they didn't have anybody else, but at least when he had Muzzin, he was passable. But if you get a guy like Brody and Muzzin together, I think that's a legitimate, dominant shutdown defensive pairing and you have those guys as your D-zone guys, and then you just have Riley and Hall maybe as your, your offensive players. Maybe Riley and Dermott could potentially end up being it, and maybe Hall's a guy who they look to move on from, right, making $2 million. I don't know what they're going to do. Like we said, we expect to see some tinkering here. But all in all, like there is now options and flexibility with what they could potentially do with this defensive core. Because, again, Riley, Brody, Muzzin, Hall, and then you got Sandine, Lettinen, Dermott, Bogosian. Some, you know, part of those eight players will have to make up the six that end up playing on any given night. But at least they have depth. They have depth. They have toughness. And they have guys who are flexible playing on both the left and the right side, which is something that they didn't really have in the past. 
And now you look, Brody, he can play both ways. Uh, they had Dermot, who they were reluctant to play on, on his off on his offside, but it seems like now that they feel more comfortable doing that for whatever reason, uh, Miko Lettening can play on his offside. So you've got guys who can play up and down your lineup. You can play on either side of the ice. And I really like it. It creates um, kind of a, a, a good line ma- or um, a good advantage for Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas. Not only that, I mean, first thing with the whole Justin Hall thing, I think you're absolutely right. I think the reason why he got labeled into that shutdown pairing with Muzzin was because they had a really good game against McDavid and Edmonton. Yeah. But after that, I didn't really see it. I feel like that that pairing got, you know, Hall got exposed, and especially when Muzzin came out because people thought that he was going to be the one to step up. I didn't really see it. I think I think Travis Dermott will play his right side if they don't add anyone or if I mean Kyle Dubas talks like uh, Travis Dermott's going to be around so I wouldn't be opposed if they had to move a Justin Hall if they had to bring in another guy like there are still they're not great options out there on free on the free agent market but I mean we talked there was Mackenzie Weir who was talked about as the least being interested in him right Travis Hamannick is still out there Sammy Vodnin is still out there. Like there are guys. That yeah, are but again, I, I just don't see the Leafs going. You know, big name hunting anymore. And I would consider those guys. Obviously, they're secondary, but they're they're you know, maybe even tertiary. If you consider Brody to be a little bit ahead of those guys, but they're kind of in the same marketplace. And the Leafs are still up against the cap. So in order to add another one, another player like that in the three and a half, four million dollar range, someone's going to have to come out. And I guess you could say, okay, well, Hall's making $2 million. He could potentially be on his way out. But my issue against, and there's been a lot of chatter about potentially trading Justin Hall because if, if they are dead set on Dermot playing the opposite uh, side and, you know, they go with Riley, Dermot, Muzzin, Brody, and then some form of Sandine or Lettinen along with Bogosian, who they just signed, you know, that means one of Hall or Dermot probably are going to be on their way out the door. Like, I'd be surprised if we see both of them in the Maple Leafs lineup come opening night. Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like it's more so lean towards Hall because, you know, Kyle Dubas talked about Dermot as a potential on the right side. And I don't think Kyle Dubas is bringing that up unless he doesn't think, like, if he expects to move Dermot, I don't know if he even brings that up. You know, maybe he maybe it's just him kind of saying that, so like, there isn't speculation around Dermot. I don't know. I know that, you know, with McKay going to arbitration, they got to either get that done beforehand or they got to be comfortable that the arbitrator is not going to rule to give McKay a really, I don't know, really high number. And Dermot being an RFA gives them a little bit of leverage to wait and see what happens. Like they're not in a rush to get Dermot signed. And if I'm Travis Dermot, maybe you kind of bet on yourself on a contract for this, you know, this year kind of do what Janssen did before he got a, you know, a bigger pay raise. Although that didn't really work out if you want to stay in Toronto. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like if you're going to move a guy, I would, if we, if like we're dead set on the lease moving someone, it would probably be Justin Hall just because for $2 million, you're, you're wondering, is there a better option out there? Is there a cheaper option out there for a guy that can give you better than what Justin Hall did? I'm 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 going opposite. I think if it's between those two, I'd probably keep Justin Hall over Travis Dermott only because I feel like Dermott 
hasn't really taken that step that that we thought he might be able to take, and he's had ample opportunity to do so. Plus, coupled with the fact that I understand that these players who are left shots can play on the right side, but wouldn't you still kind of rather have a natural right-handed shot in your lineup? Like, if you do that, and and now you're looking at Bogosian as the only right-hand shot on your team, right? And, and I just, you know, if Bogosian goes down and he he's out of the lineup, now you're sitting there with six left-hand shot defensemen in your entire lineup. At least if you, you know, maybe you move Dermot and you keep Hull, you have that second option or an option in the lineup who's also a natural fit as a right-hand shot defenseman. They also still have Timothy Lilligren as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, Timothy Lilligren is going to have to take a step as well. You know, you're right. I understand that there's no rush if you keep a Justin Hall, but eventually Timothy Lilligren is going to have to show. And, you know, he makes less than 900K. That gives you a little bit of breathing room if you wanted to move a Justin Hall. I understand that you want to have more right shots. And Kyle Dubas even said that internally. They always talk about, you know, we got to make sure that we don't have a massive imbalance. Uh, TJ Brody being in the top four makes it a bit unbalanced, but he's comfortable with the right hand side. So I'm, I mean, that I feel like that's kind of a, it's kind of a bit of a wash when you consider the rest of the lineup. Because if you have, let's say, Justin Hall, or let's say Bogosian even, and then German has to play his right side, or even Ledenden has uh, played his right side too. I mean, I would love if the Leafs had a natural right-hand shot, and maybe it's Timothy Lilligren. It could potentially work out that way. Uh, I think they're trying to probably figure out they got to make a couple. We already said they got to make a couple moves to be cap compliant. They're not too far off. That's probably the benefit. Um, I mean, right now they're cap compliant, I should say, but they got to make more room if they got to get McKayev signed and Dermot depending as well. on what they do with Travis Dermot. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll see what ends up happening, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with 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 their D, but the good thing is is that there's depth, right? They do have, you know, guys who could step up if if injuries occur and and you know, we're going into a weird season where uh we're seeing so many injuries in the NFL. Not saying that it's going to make its way into the NHL, but you know, the fact that we already know that it's going to be quite the condensed season next year and putting your body through you know, game after game after game and, and, and really playing three games in four nights on multiple, multiple occasions, making it what seems like it's going to end up being the norm as opposed to being, you know, a one-off or a two-off throughout the season. You know, it, it, it makes it for more of a higher risk of injuries to occur. It doesn't give your body enough time to regenerate and recharge. So you're going to want to have to have that depth. And, and I think with the Leafs, now they kind of have it because, you know, we're even talking about a guy like Dermot. Dermot's the ninth defenseman on this team right now. Or, sorry, um, not Dermot, uh, Lilligren. Lilligren is the ninth defenseman on this team right now. So there would have to be kind of a, a big injury bug or, heaven forbid, a COVID bug that goes through this lineup for Lilligren to, to get his shot and for Lilligren to get in, into, you know, into the lineup. And he wasn't even, when we look back at the playoffs, you know, he was I mean, unfit, but he wasn't, nobody was talking about him. You no. Know, when just, well, when Jake Muzzin went We all thought down, he had COVID, to be quite honest with you. Like, I, I, remember I, we I all just assumed he had COVID, and then all of a sudden he was back in the bubble, and was like, huh? What? <laughs> yeah. 
I, I mean, he he's a guy that, you know, eventually this organization is going to have to make a decision because you can't just, you know, I know that you don't want to rush a defenseman, but a first round pick, you give him a few years to develop. This would be his, I think this was his third year. So you have to eventually start to see progress. It was, I mean, it was good that he made his NHL debut. That's a positive. But in that NHL debut, he didn't exactly look like he fit right yet, Hmm. right away. And then his development got stented by the fact that the HL season was done. You know, so at some, I I thought maybe it would have made sense for the Leafs to loan a guy if they could to loan Lilligren to play in the SHL, like a lot of teams are doing right now to get the guy playing. Cause I think that's, that's really has been his, his issue when he started off, he didn't, he wasn't playing in his draft year. So he was already behind in his development. You know, these, these are, cru- these are crucial years for him and he's got to, he's got to show some progress because then he will get stuck with a certain label and it, it's really hard for a young defenseman to shake it. Definitely. hundred percent. Um, all right, we'll leave you. We'll leave it with this question, since I mean we basically just made this entire episode about the defense. So maybe tomorrow we'll go into, or I'll go into kind of the how the forwards got rejigged and reshaped here. Uh, but defensively, you got the lineup card. You're Sheldon Keith. Opening night, assuming everyone's healthy, what does your lineup card look like? How are you staggering your defensive pairings? All right, uh, I know we talked about you know a muzzin. Uh, br- you know, a Muzzin Brody pairing. I don't see that happening just yet. So I'm going to go with Muzzin. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with Riley Brody. Uh, I hate to do it, but I'm going to, for now, I'm going to go with Muzzin and Hall just based out of familiarity. And then I'm going to go with on the final pairing. That's, that's tough, but I think it's going to be like a Lennon and, and Dermot. I don't know if Bogosian makes it right away. Um, if Dermot's or Dermot's not there, then I see Bogosian sliding in on the right side. But I'm going to go with Dermot letting in on that third pairing. Not even a conversation about Rasmus Sandin, huh? I don't think yet. Uh, I think unless he has a phenomenal camp and maybe Mikko Lennon doesn't turn out the way we expect, then he's not you know, he's not ready to go in right away. Uh, I think they could put Sandin with the Marlies and play him a lot. Him and, and uh, Lily Green on a pairing together with the Marlies. I think that would make a little more sense. Although at the same time, I'd love to see them in the NHL. And, but I think it might be, I don't know if they're ready for that yet. I'm pretty much on the same wavelength as you here, except I, I, I truly do believe that one of Hall or Dermott will be moved. And the fact that Dermott also doesn't even have a contract yet this year, I know that he's, you know, he doesn't have any Arbrights or anything like that. He's just an RFA, and, and he's just got to sign it, so it's probably not even going to be an expensive contract. But one of those two are going to have to get dealt, and I would think Dermott might be able to bring back a little more than a guy like Justin Hall. Uh, so I could see him being moved, and, and and if that's the case, we're sitting with Riley Brody, and then Muzzin Hall is your shutdown pairing, and then I, too, think that Miko Lettinen will probably end up getting the opportunity uh, to be the third-pairing defenseman and get his feet wet in the NHL to start. You know, we've seen this in the past. You know, Ozhiganov got it right when he came into the NHL. Same with, uh, you know, Nikitsev right away, um, Kali Rosen, Borgman, you know, all these players who came over from Europe were all kind of given an opportunity to start right away in the NHL. 
and they were given a, ch- a chance to kind of assimilate themselves into the NHL from Europe. So I think that he does also start uh, as your third-pairing left-shot defenseman. And then I think Bogosian, just because it, they want that toughness, and he brings that more than than a guy like Dermot for me, who I am also have already traded in this hypothetical. Uh, but I think Bogosian, regardless, even if Dermot is, and, and let's say this is the entire you know list we got, I still think that Bogosian ends up in there opening night because he's somebody who the, the organization, Kyle, Dubas, and I would assume that they also had conversations with Sheldon Keefe. They targeted him, and they said, this is a guy who's a little nasty. We need a little bit of that in our lineup, and he's somebody who can go out there. You know, he can kill penalties for us. He can get into the dirty areas, get a little rough, and uh, he's somebody who they would want in their lineup opening night. So I got Riley Brody, Muzzin Hall, and then Lettinen and Bogosian as my defensive pairings. I wouldn't even hate that. Hey, even I even think if uh, things work out in a certain way, I think Dermot can make it overhaul. Like I think those two are going to be intercha- interchangeable. Potentially, yeah. There's, there's certainly potential for that. Because I think he played uh, yeah. the right side in junior, right, Travis Dermot? Because he didn't do it a lot in. Uh, he didn't do it a lot in the, the AHL. Mo- Not a lot though, right? It was kind of he played with Justin Hall at one point, you know, most of the time. But I know he played the right side. He didn't do it a lot. He did it a lot more in Erie. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, but not as much as he, not as much as the AHL. And we've seen him do it at the NHL level too. It was him. I think it was him and Gardner that were that pairing together when he first came up with the Leafs, if I'm not mistaken. <sighs> or at one point, Man. it was him and. <laughs> Thinking back to uh, this, thinking of a really Gardner and Dermot pairing. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Mike, well, Bascock, Mike Babcock was going with the risky times at that. <laughs> it was, it was. But you know what? I think we're 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 in a much better shape than we were two weeks ago. When it comes to the least defense, you know, you look at the depth, you look at the skill level. Like Brody just increased that skill level, and now you have a, a solid one, two, three with Riley, Muzzin, and TJ Brody. When was the last time that the Leafs have had three solid defensemen like this? Probably since Ooh, like the Caberlet, McCabe, and I don't know who else would have been there at the time. I'm trying to think. We're going way back, right? I'll go Caberlet, McCabe, and Leach. That that's what I was when thinking, Brian but Lee like he was there for what twenty games? Like he played one season there, but like it's good. Because it's better than what they got out of Cody Cece. I I will say, minus Cody Cece, and if the Leafs didn't do anything else, it would have been a win. Like the Leafs were would have been in the in the you know they would have not been in the negative if Cody with Cody Cece gone. So. Just having him not here puts them in a better spot. Addition by subtraction. Well, yeah, because now you you know Tyson Berry, who was at times a, a liability on the defensive end, is is now gone. And then also Cody Cece. So, you know, you you've upgraded Cece and well both Cece and Barry, and you've replaced them with T.J. Brody and well one of you know letting in Bogosian. We'll see who ends up getting that spot, but they're upgrades. Easily, easy, easy upgrades. I would say, like it's it's hard to. Well, the the thing with Barry is, I feel like he got such a bad rep because of what we were expecting him to come in and do. And I've I've been told by some Flames guys, and I've read a little bit that there is 
slight hiccups in TJ Brody's game from time to time where you look at him and you're like, why would you do that? Kind of like with Jake Gardner, kind of like with Tyson Berry, and, and, and I hope that we don't see those gaffes nearly as often as we saw with those guys. But uh, I, I feel like as you know the Locked On Leafs podcast, we should say that there are those who, who have cautioned Leaf fans that he does have the occasional gaffe but it should not be nearly as much as as those other two guys we've put up with over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I saw that too. And, I mean, look, uh, as a defenseman, sometimes you take risks with your game. Uh, I felt like Barry was a guy that took a lot of risks. And Cody Cece, when he had the puck on his stick, I, I, you know, I wanted to close <laughs> my eyes. And, you know, yeah, TJ Brody. But at the same time, I also saw like TJ Brody's one of those guys who doesn't turn the puck over a lot in his own end. That's that's a win if you're the least because that, that's a huge problem when you're a team that's not good defensively. If you get stuck in your own end because defensemen can't get it out, you know that's 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 plagued them in, at times. So I I feel like the mental errors as well. I think TJ Brody can definitely cut down on that as well. Yeah. All right, man. I think that's going to do it for us today here on the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked on Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked on Leafs. Uh, and follow Dave at D underscore Morisuti. Uh, Dave, got anything coming up soon? Not not too much on the hockey front. I've been full out NFL the last little bit. Uh, Chase you know, Claypool, our guy, our guy, Chase Claypool. He is the NFL player of Lockdown Leafs. I've, I'm stapling that right now. Yeah, and I'm for, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I don't know what team he cheers for, but if we can make him a Leafs fan, it'd be all right with that. Although he's from he might, BC. He might he's, be a, he's probably a might, Canucks fan. <laughs> He might have to be a Penguins fan now that he's in Pittsburgh. True, very true. And I wouldn't hate that because that means that he'd be a fan of Sidney Crosby, who's Canada's golden goal hero. So we'll take it. We'll take it. Better than Vancouver, right? Yes. And we're <laughs> Vancouver fans right now. My heart somewhat goes out to them. Man, it's brutal. You lose your starting goaltender, you lose your top-pairing defenseman, and you lose your top six winger that you paid a good amount for at the deadline, and you get nothing in return, and now you're sitting there, and you have no more options. It, su- it, it sucks to be a Canucks fan right now. It, it, it must suck. Enjoy the Jay Beagle contract. <laughs> yeah, Jay Beagle. I think Vertanen's going to make three mil on arbitration. Uh, you got Sutter making 4.25, Roussel making three mil, Louis Erickson making six mil, Sven Barchi making up over three mil. Yeah, they've got a boatload of contracts that are awful. Like, awful. You thought that the that the Leafs were in cap hell? They are, but at least they're in cap hell with good contracts. The Leafs or the Canucks are in, in cap hell with terrible, terrible contracts, and it allowed them to ha- or forced them to give up all of their players this year in free agency. Super unfortunate, super unfortunate for the Canucks. Uh, but you know what? We'll uh, we'll have to leave it there, man. I really appreciate coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Mike. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow, but until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.